So you can see the manger, but it doesn't look quite like what you have seen on the cards. Mm. There's a bit of mess. It's not what you th usually think of when you think of Christmas. Now, I know what people think of. Beautiful trees, colour-coordinated, with the bobbles all in a row. Or a fabulous feast with turkey and ham and lots of food, too much food. But family, perfect family, of course, with no arguments. Uh, just for the whole day. They don't have to rush off with their friends. They just want to spend time with you. And a house sparkling clean because somebody just cleaned it to an inch of its life last week. Of course, carols sung in candlelight where the wax didn't stain on the floor. The perfect Christmas. But you know, actually, it's not a very biblical concept. Have you ever thought of that? That what's a biblical concept is actually a messy Christmas. You know, I talked about resetting, that this is a time in the church for the resetting of what we do, who we are, all those things. But, you know, I'm going to challenge you today. Are you going to reset your Christmas? Well, that's a wee bit challenging, isn't it? So let's look at what it actually was like on Jesus' birthday. So we're going to start, well, even before that. So we're going to start with a few verses in Matthew 1, 18. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found, was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public ridicule, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, that's not exactly a smooth way into family life. This is not exactly what they anticipated would take them into family life either. You know, they anticipated that there would be a marriage first and then a baby. And a nice, cosy, little ordinary working class family life. But God broke in and it became messy. There was gossip and rumour before Jesus even hit the earth. And all the days of his life. Messy. So then we go to Luke chapter 2. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 1. But I love these scriptures, you know. Just when you read them, your heart just goes, Oh, our God, aren't you beautiful? Aren't you amazing? Aren't you different from what people would ever dream up? Wow, that's our God who came, who we celebrate at Christmas. Okay, so we're going to start at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a, a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census, blah, 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 and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Wow, that's a wee bit messy. So the whole situation that Jesus was born into was messy. He was born into an occupied country where rebellions were frequently put down with brutal force, where they had to do what they were told by the conqueror. He was born into a situation where he was required to go at a time which was most inconvenient for the, to go for the census. And he was required to take his wife, who was nine months pregnant, on a donkey ride. Oh, my goodness, girls. <laughs> those of us who know about those things know that that would not have been a comfortable ride. Nine months pregnant on a donkey for kilometres. So no wonder her birth came soon after that. And then we see this beautiful picture of Mary with a halo, just smiling all over with beautiful baby Jesus, and even the cows are kneeling down. But no, I don't think so, do you? I don't think so. I think it smelt something terrible because cows don't stop pooing just because the presence of God is among them. You know? And um, all the animals do not just shush with beautiful silent night just because the Saviour has arrived. They don't know about that. So this was a mess. And I've put this here to say this is more like Christmas in the Bible than what we often have in our homes. Okay, let's read a little bit more. And the shepherds were out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so happy they burst into song. No, they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. And it will cause great joy for all people today. In the town of David, a saviour has been born. He's the Messiah, the chosen one, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
So God didn't choose a palace. He could have. He could have chosen Herod's palace, a nice pile of bricks. But he didn't. He chose a dirty, smelly, ordinary, probably flea-infested manger in a stable. Why did he do that, do you think? I mean, I don't know these things, but I can use my imagination. Why would God choose this and not the palace for his extremely amazing son? Hmm, have a think on that. So suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. So the servants went to Bethlehem, saw him, and were amazed. And they returned glorifying God, praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. So I can see the Christmas card now. Uh, there's a beautiful hills with the light dusting of, of uh, snow Shepherds looking very jolly um, and just gazing up in awe and wonder at the angels. Probably not. You know, the shepherds were an outcast kind of a breed. Because of the kind of work they did, they were unclean. They couldn't participate in a lot of religious rituals in the Jewish life. And people didn't like them very much. Probably they smelt as well. So, you know, they didn't get included in too much. They lived in the field, so actually a layer of snow was not good news for the shepherd. It was blooming cold, and they're pulling their cloaks a lot closer to their probably thin, stick-like bodies. But they were the first ones that God chose to announce this amazing birth too. Why did he choose to announce his birth to outcasts? Because then we don't feel that we've got stuff to live up to either. Because you can't get lower than this, really. You can't get lower than homeless, away from home, no family to be with you at a child's birth, uh, in a smelly place, uh, not knowing where you would next go to. Uh, these kind of things are the things that we consider the nightmare that we hope we'll never face. And some of us do at times. And Jesus is saying, I came into this kind of mess. I am comfortable to come into this kind of mess. I came in utter humility as the Son of Man, Son of God, who lowered himself that low, not lowered himself to a palace, but lowered himself to a manger. That's the God who came who we love and adore. Okay, so next thing I want to ask, why do we seek perfection in our Christmas? I'm just stirring a few wee things here. Do you know that sometimes we seek this because we can't have perfection with people and we feel that maybe we can control something? 
sometimes we feel that everything else is out of control, we can just make something fit into the right boxes. Sometimes things take the place of people because they're easier to work with. You know, people are really uh, inconsistent, unpredictable. Have you ever had that? You expect them to do this and they do that. You ask them to do this, but they do that. You speak nicely to them here, but they trash you there. You know, you've got to say that we live in a life where we are just always one step away from a mess. You know, we've got to get this. You know, we are not in control of our own destinies. Life is not fair. We don't have entitlement to super de duper land. But we do have the ability to walk into the place where the hand of God is in ours, hour by hour and day by day and mess by mess, the hand of God can be in ours. And that is what the message of Christmas is, that almighty, holy, wonderful, pure God had an amazing plan to come down, to be right in the place of our mess, to partner with us to pull us out of it, to walk us through it, to be with us in the whole lot. That is Christmas. That's the real thing. You know, God doesn't say to us in our messes, in our dysfunction, well, that's your fault so you need to get yourself out of it. And he doesn't say, well, it's a bit complicated. Actually, I don't know what to do. I'm the one who says that. God says, trust me, even in this, and I won't judge you, I'll walk with you. And some of us have got these dysfunctions and things in our lives, these disappointments, that's a word I've got here that the Lord gave me last night as well, disappointments. Some of us have got even got deep trauma about Christmas itself because something happened at that time that you've never been able to get over. You know, if you've got something in your life that You don't go there. Well, you know, I remember um, I had a place that I didn't want to go to because something very traumatic happened at that place. And it was wiser for me to just not go there. But God wouldn't let me rest on that forever. And eventually I needed to go back and face it with the Lord. And you know, this is what he wants to do with us. He wants to take us in those places and help us to eyeball that situation, that person, that trauma, and he will help us to find the right way to walk through that and out the other side. So Christmas, 
actually, you know, um, there's a lot of funny stories about things that happen on Christmas Day too, and actually God's in them as well. I've got to tell you one. Uh, my son-in-law has a poo truck. He's a septic tank driver. And uh, so uh, we know all the jokes about poo, that, so you don't have to tell us anymore. Um, and so one Christmas morning, about three, year, three or four years ago, uh, he got this desperate call about 9.30 in the morning. Oh, help, help, I've got a dozen people coming for lunch, and there's poo coming out of all kinds of places where they shouldn't be at my house. I mean, imagine that. So he's a kind-hearted soul, and he thought, well, I can get there and back before lunch probably. So he went and he sorted it out. But imagine those people if he said no. You know, what do they do? Um, they've got poo from the loo, and the people can't come. I mean, I had another situation one Christmas where the people I'd invited uh, got food poisoning. Not from me. Not from me. It was from the restaurant they went to the night before, and so they couldn't turn up. So how does that feel? Your guests just can't come. And did you know that every year, there's people who do worse than that. They do silly things like watering the Christmas tree with the fairy lights on and get electrocuted. <laughs> no, you shouldn't laugh about that. Some people die. And a whole lot of other things happen, like cats are the worst. Never have a cat. Because they try to climb the Christmas tree, break the baubles, and totally ruin all those fancy, perfect things that you had in mind. That's why you see pictures on Facebook of people making Christmas trees hanging from the roof when they've got cats. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, we know all these stories. In fact, in the A&E department, they're very busy after Christmas, pulling baubles out of people's toes, heels, arms. Um, pulling things out of noses, ears, uh, you know, these things happen at Christmas. And they're part of the things that are just part of life, but the Lord wants to be part of even that. So, what do we do with the Christmas traditions of our fathers? That's the next question. I'm asking a few uncomfortable questions today. Well, you know, God's word is absolutely where we make a stand. The devil would like us to change the word of God and keep the baubles. But actually, the Lord says, keep the word of God and change the baubles. So, you know, the thing is, we need to ask ourselves a few simple questions when we think of traditions that stress us out. Do these things enhance, enrich, or impoverish? Do they enhance your day? Do they encourage the people you're with? Do they bring blessing or do they impoverish in some way? That's not God's design for us. I don't care if it's been done for 400 years. But if that's impoverishing your family, that's not God's best for your Christmas celebration. You know, sometimes we are so wound up with what the world says we should do about things that we... Forget to ask God, is this still good for me this year? Is this still something you want me to be part of this year? Or do you have another way? You know, the best Christmas, one of the best Christmases that Alex and I have ever had in recent years, 
was when we came home unexpectedly from overseas and all our family had booked to go elsewhere for Christmas. So that's cool. Nice. We came home and there's no family for Christmas. Oh, lovely. Um, so we decided we'd do something completely different. The way we did it was, first thing, we just had worship time with the Lord together in our house, just Darby and Joan. It was so sweet, just sweet in that lovely sense with the Lord. And then we went out and we helped at a community lunch. And it was such fun. I got to wear my little ear things and um, we just got to have a lot of laughs and fabulous food. And then friends of ours said, oh, come round for tea and just finish the day with us. Got to the end of the day and I thought, I didn't get one present. I didn't see one family member. But it was a super, super day. And it, it causes us to think, what does it need to be a great day? What does it need to be a great day? Well, I'll tell you what it needs. Christmas is about Jesus, and you know that. I know you know that, and you're all, you already answered it for me, but don't forget it. Just remember, does this thing that you're stressing about enhance or impoverish in your situation? Hold on to what's good, but reassess the extras that are getting in the way of the true meaning of Christmas. Now, I'm, I have to say that there have been times in our family life where God was squeezed right out of Christmas. And we had a day, I don't know if he was mentioned. And we church people. Ooh. It's so easy for it to happen. But, you know, we want to be people for whom our heart's desire is to be people of his presence. That this is more important than our feast. It's more important than our presence. It's more important than anything else that we come and adore our Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world. I just want to just encourage you about making space for the King. Make room for him. You know, ditch your pride, ditch your expectations, ditch your independent things, ditch your pretenses. Who cares if you don't do it like the Joneses because you never, ever reach that. Too hard. And just let the Lord have more space. Push that other thing, those other things, those things that aren't working off the shelf and make room for the Lord who wasn't afraid to come right down to our level. You know, the first, second thing is that actually we need to do it personally. This is a personal decision we make. I won't do it that way. God, what's the way you want me to do it? Who is it that you would like me to bless this year? Because he gave his greatest gift to us and we can never give to match that. We don't even have to try, but it makes us feel like I'd love to honour the gift of God. I'd love to honour, and wouldn't you love to honour the gift of God by something that you give in the Christmas season that blesses other people where it really, really matters.
You know, Mary said yes to God when she didn't understand everything. I mean, how much did she understand, really? But she was prepared to say yes. Joseph said yes, even though he knew that he would be ridiculed for standing with a woman that people thought was a questionable woman. The shepherds said yes, even as outcasts. They could see there was something incredibly amazing happening here. I mean, have you seen an angel? Well, they did. So they were prepared to see how amazing that was. Okay, so as we finish, just want to pray with you guys. Oh, Jesus, you are our wonderful, amazing gift this season, every season. We want to reset the way our thinking is about this season, God, because it's about you. It's about you breaking into a suffering, sinful, horrible world. A world where people are getting killed and maimed at every turn. A world where people are injured by words and actions. But God, you break in. And we want to open our hearts to be part of that breaking into our own world that we're part of. On Emmanuel, you are our God with us. You never leave us or forsake us. You don't leave us when we have any kind of trauma over Christmas, any kind of mess that we feel we can't face with at this time. You don't leave us. You're with us. You walk and help us, and you're our hope. Thank you for your joy at this time that doesn't come from what we receive as presents, but comes from your presence, because in your presence is fullness of joy. So we say to you right now, God, yes to your presence. Not your presents that are gifts. We like that too, but yes to your presence first of all and let the rest flow from there, God. And thank you. Thank you, God, for your everlasting love your gift to save the world, your amazing, amazing ability to work where we see impossible.